Hey, I'm Steve Folland. How are you doing? Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the online accounting software that puts you in control of your freelancer finances. To claim your one-month free trial, visit freeagent.com slash being freelance. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for photographer Vicky Knights. So I remember my website going live literally the next day getting an inquiry and a booking you don't get that nowadays do you (laughs) I think it is fortunate coming to the business from a business mind perspective rather than that kind of starving artist mentality of I'm so lucky people are paying me for my art I always have some sort of projects on the go so I always make a point of up to an hour a day I'll spend working on that project that project you're working on just won't do itself so you have to spend that time on it to get these things off the ground yeah so there is vicky coming up in a moment we're back in the uk this week everybody saying really nice thing about nathan last week if you haven't heard that yet go back and listen and uh, before that we had kate oh by the way actually i should mention because loads of awesome comments coming in about kate's episode and towards the end of our conversation i mentioned her book i think it's like confessions of a misfit entrepreneur i think that's the title anyway i have since gone and bought her book and i can tell you it's so good like really if you enjoyed her personality her sense of humor but also her story and the advice that she was giving and things uh, if that resonated with you like it did with me then i really think you'll enjoy the book it's it's quite a pacey read because it's such an enjoyable one like proper laugh out loud moments the glossary in itself who knew a glossary could be so entertaining but hers is it's a really good book recommend it i'll put a link in her show notes i mean obviously you could search amazon or whatever for kate toon but yeah if you go to the show notes of her episodes you'll find a link through anyway thanks so much for all your comments as ever it's always nice to hear from you at being freelance or at s folland on twitter I'm on instagram as well and of course at beingfreelance.com you can also send me a message and check out the vlog and the articles and things like that so yeah go take a look everything you need is at beingfreelance.com right now though let's find out what it's like being freelance for this week's guest and that is photographer vicky knights hey vicky hi steve thanks for doing this whereabouts are you based by the way I'm in Surrey, so Hindhead. I don't know if you're familiar with that part of the world. Very nice. So in the in the, the southern areas of the UK. Yeah, so we're sort of up near Hampshire, near Sussex, just on the south south of Surrey. Now, uh, as ever, let's get started hearing how you got started being freelance. Yes. So, um, well, I worked in advertising sales for 10 years, very much an office job, going out to lots of meetings. And I'm probably quite rare in that for a freelancer and that I really loved my job, like really loved it. It was a massive part of my life in my 20s and then got pregnant. I, you know, it was all planned. I was married and got pregnant and I always planned to go back. I remember someone in the office saying, oh, if anyone's going to come back, it'll be Vicky because I was really ambitious and I loved my career. And yeah, when I, when I went on maternity leave, I started thinking, actually, it'd be really lovely to run my own business. I'd always had aspirations in the future of having my own business. And I thought, yeah, it'd be really lovely to run my own business, but I just don't know what in. So kind of the business part came before the photography part. And I think that's quite unusual, especially for photographers or sort of people in kind of art, in the art field. So when, as a mum, I was looking around for a gap in the market, just thinking, right, what is it that I'm after as a mum and what can't I get? 
And I went to, I won't name any names, but I went to a high street studio to get some photos of me and my baby as a surprise Father's Day present for my husband and just had a really awful um, experience with them. Just the customer service was terrible. It was just really bad. And actually, I've got to give credit to my husband because when we were sat in a cafe, I remember it vividly on a Sunday morning. And I was saying, I really want to set up a business. I feel like time's running out. You know, I'm a few months into my maternity leave. I really need to think of something. And he said, why don't you go and why don't you be a photographer? And I was like, well, I know I love photography. It's always been a passion of mine. You know, I used to take photos for friends, families and stuff. But I was like, but I don't want a studio. I don't want to do that kind of thing. And he said, well, no, I mean, you know, why don't you photograph like you photograph our baby? So I started looking into it and it just wasn't a big thing here 10 years ago at all. This is back in 2008. But I started looking at the States because they're normally a bit ahead of us, aren't they? And it was really big out there, lifestyle photography. And there was loads of photographers doing exactly what I wanted to do. So that kind of then made me go, okay, I'm going to do it. But my plan was always to do it at the weekends for a while, while I'm working three days a week up in London. And then in my negotiations with my employer at the time, because I ran a team of like seven people, I was, when I left, I was head of sponsorship for lots of radio stations like Kiss and Magic and stuff. And uh, they wanted me to go back four days, which I totally understand. Um, You know, I had a big revenue figure on my head, had this team of people. And I just didn't want to do that. My baby was really clingy. So every time I handed him to someone else, he cried and I just couldn't face it. So that kind of made me um, just go for it. And I just thought, right, I'm not coming back. I'm just going to set up my business. And I had to really go for it because I knew that I needed to earn the same amount as I would have done going back to work. But actually, by the time you factor in childcare costs, travel costs, and all of that kind of stuff, lunch every day, it, you know, your take-home pay wasn't worth the sacrifice of leaving my baby for, for three days. So that kind of made me just throw myself into it and go into it. So I was really lucky that, that when I set up, the market was not saturated. So I remember my website going live, literally the next day, getting an inquiry and a booking. You don't get that nowadays, do you? <laughs> Wow. So did you have any sort of savings aside? Like, Did you plan for it or did you? Yeah, I was actually quite lucky in that I worked in sales. And actually, just as I left, we'd had a really good year. So we'd actually, I'd actually got quite a decent bonus at the end of it, just sort of right at the beginning of my maternity pay. So that that did help me on my way, but certainly was not a case of, oh, great, I, I don't have to work for years. But I very much looked at it and went, right, you know, black and white, this is what I would be taking home if I go into work three days a week. So this is what I need to earn. And I did that first year, I earned more than that. And I, you know, when I was looking at the figures, I was like, it's not that, you know, if I shoot every weekend and I just work while my baby's sleeping and then my mum came up and looked after him one day a week. So I knew I could shoot during the week once as well. And as long as the business is there, I know this is viable and I can do it. And luckily, you know, it was a big risk because obviously no one ever knows if the business is going to be there, but it was luckily for me. So it was the right decision. So you mentioned getting a website, but how how did you go about getting those first clients, the first few months or whatever it may have been? So, I mean, yeah, website. And and like I say, now that's really difficult when someone's just setting up, if they, you know, as a family photographer, they're going to be kind of page 15 on Google. Whereas at the time, you know, outdoor family photographer, there just weren't any. So I went straight to kind of number one straight away. But at the beginning, what I did, and my advice is always to people is make sure that you're marketing when you're not busy. So I think when people aren't busy, they sort of think, oh, maybe I can get on with other things, the business will come in. That's when I just went out and marketed. So the first thing I did actually, is I was going, you know, with my baby, uh, mother and baby groups. 
So I contacted a few and said, could I come along and do some lovely photographs of mums with their babies? I did it around Mother's Day, actually. And I'll take them outside. So I'm going to shoot how I shoot. There's no backdrops or anything like that. It's totally free for you as a play group. And then I'll send them the gallery and then they can buy prints afterwards. And actually, I got loads of bookings on the back of that. So people bought prints. So I made something from it, not you know a vast amount from just the prints. But then I started getting the word out about me and my business and my photography and got loads of bookings um, and built my network on the back of that. Yeah. And families talk like no others as far as word of mouth. Yeah, exactly. And another thing I did actually in the first few years is because what I really missed was about working for a company is like the just day-to-day banter and working in a team and the camaraderie. And so I set up like this business mums network because I couldn't find one and I, that I wanted to join. They were all very much the breakfast meetings and stuff. And I wanted something that, you know, was in my target market. So mums and also people that I, that would understand what I was going through. So I set one up. And if I look back in the network that I've built from that, I've got so much business and sort of friendships and, you know, like actually feeling part of a team from it, even though I only ran it for about a year at the time, because then I had a second baby. And so I just couldn't continue with it. But you know, when you look back, and you can, you think, right, I've got four clients from that, but actually, they sent you another two clients each, and then they sent you another and just the whole, when you look back, it's I got a huge amount of business from that. Yeah. So that was, so Business Mums Network was a, an in-person community. Yeah, it was just, we literally only had a handful of meetings, I think, but I used to, there were no Facebook groups back then. So I literally set it up, I I contacted a couple of local newspapers and they put a little bit in about it saying local mum photographer is setting up this business mums group. So a lot of people then told friends of theirs that'd be relevant to. My email address was in there. So I got lots of emails and I just used to email everyone saying, right, we're meeting up, we've got a speaker coming in. We just ran it at this local pub once a month. Yeah, so it was, it was free entry. Um, yeah, and so I only ran a handful of them. But because I think it was, you know, everyone could see I, was, I wasn't trying to make money from it. I was doing it because I wanted to be part of it. I think it was a fantastic thing to do. I think that's how you build your network is by recommending other people and helping people, really. So did it feel like it sort of picked up speed pretty quickly for you? Yeah, it did. And, and that's the thing. When I look back and whenever I'm advising like new photographers about it, it's difficult for, for me to sort of empathize with the panic of not having business because mine was almost the panic of having too much business and try, you know, the reason, the whole reason, my whole why was I did it to be with my family more and to raise my children and not have to put them in a nursery five days a week. So that's why I was doing it and the joy of running a business and loving photography as well. So I had to look at that guy. I really don't, I was so scared of turning away business. So I used to just take on pretty much every shoot that came my way and then you know be totally burnt out because I was working every evening sometimes so I look back at when the boys were really little and you know I was working every time they weren't with me I was working so there was no time for anything else exercise kind of went out the window and you know I'd sit there you know in the evenings working my husband's watching tv sort of in the room next to me and I I look back and think oh my god I wish I'd kind of taken on a bit less but it was just that panic of thinking, is the business always going to be here? And if I turn it away, they're going to go to someone else. And, you know, and I may not get another inquiry like that. I think that's always the, the balance, isn't it? Did you gradually find that balance? Yes. So I would say especially, you know, in the last few years. So I moved out. I, I used to live up um, north Surrey, which isn't sort of relevant. But in my head, this is where the sort of everything changed, really. About four years ago, I moved down. And I think 
and my, that was it. My boys started school at that same time. So we moved house, both boys started school. And I think I'd always thought, right, they'll start school and I'll be able to work even harder. And actually, I kind of found they needed me more. There's like loads to do when they're at school, actually. Yeah, so I, I at that point kind of went, actually, there's other ways I can manage this. So I now work with two associate photographers. So so I'm not out every single Saturday shooting. Sometimes if I'm, if I'm booked up, I say to them, I'm busy. You know, I'm booked up for the next four months. But one of my associate photographers can do the shoot and then you'll deal with me everything for everything afterwards. So that works really well. So it means I can do the more sort of admin side during the week when they're at school, but someone else is out shooting. I mean, I, I'm still shooting, but it just means I'm not doing it every single weekend. And I just, I, I'm just much better with my time. Whereas I used to think, yeah, I can squeeze another shoot in there. I look at my diary and go, no, that's already making me feel stressed looking at that. I cannot take on anything else. So I'm not afraid to refer someone else on if my associates can't do it. But it's it's a lovely, it's really nice being able to keep hold of that business and go, yes, someone else can shoot it. But, you know, maybe next year, if you book further in advance, then I can do it. But I can keep them as my client rather than just constantly referring on. Yeah. And I wonder whether part of that comes from that fact that right at the beginning there, you said that you wanted to own your own business like you weren't looking at this as just you you were thinking this perhaps even though it has your name Vicky Knight's photography that this was bigger than maybe just you yes exactly and I think I I think it is fortunate coming to the business from a a business mind perspective I've said that really badly but you know what I mean rather than that kind of starving artist mentality of I'm so lucky people are paying me for my art I was like you know I'm I'm running a business so I've always said whenever people say and I remember hearing this from someone years ago when I first started they said never call yourself a photographer so when you meet someone in the school playground or when you're out for dinner or something someone says what do you do don't say I'm a photographer because actually let's face it everyone's a photographer we all take photos say I run a photography business and actually now I've got lots of different strands to my business so I do run a whole you know complete business I'm not just a photographer so I think that's a really good bit of advice actually so I've always made a point of saying that yeah it can take a while for that to dawn on a lot of people but but we are a business you mentioned having lots of strands so you continue to diversify the way you get income did you yeah. So, and again, it's not, I, I, if I'd have just stuck to just doing my, you know, the thing that I specialize in, which is family shoots outdoors, that's kind of my bread, still my bread and butter, but I'm quite a um, distracted kind of person. So I like to have lots of things on the go. I'm not very good at just sticking to one thing. So although I love it, I knew that if I just, if that's all I did, I, I didn't want to ever lose my motivation for it. I never want to wake up on the morning of a shoot and think, oh God, I can't be bothered. I always want to feel like, great, I've got to shoot. So that's why I don't take on too much. So yes, um, back in, oh, it was 2011, lots of people started asking me the same questions like, what camera should I buy? How do I photograph this? How do I get that blurry background? And so I was sending so many emails and talking to so many people that I thought I might as well just run a workshop. And it was out of my comfort zone because I thought I've only been doing this. I've been doing it for three years by then. So I felt quite new to it. I'm not properly trained in photography. I, I was self-taught. Um, so it's one of those, you know, the um, imposter syndrome crept in going, should I really be teaching this? But actually they, they were fantastic. I mean, I at the beginning I was running about 15 a year. I now run probably about seven, I think, seven workshops. And again, for the very reason that 
you know, because it's the same workshop that I'm running, I don't want to feel like I'm just, it's like Groundhog Day and I'm just doing the same thing over and over. And then the other thing I've started recently, a friend, uh, a photographer friend of mine who we met on Twitter years and years ago, and she said, me and you should start a podcast. And probably say five years back, I'd have said, no, how are we going to monetize that? I'm much, you know, my time is much better spent taking on shoes. And I thought, do you know what? That sounds really good fun. So, and it's, you know, we get a lot of questions from photographers and neither of us really like writing all that much. You know, we do it, but the thought of writing loads of blog posts is not that appealing, but we both loved it. We're both quite extroverted. We both love chatting to people. So I was like, actually, if I can get help lots of other photographers and entrepreneurs and chat to people, then fantastic. Um, I don't have to sit there at my desk writing because I spend too long at my desk, frankly. <laughs> so, so you started the podcast and so well, what form does that take? So the two of you chatting? Yes. So we and we have different guests on each week, mainly photographers, but we also invite people that can help other photographers in their business. So it might be a branding expert or an SEO expert, or we had a mum coach on who helps people kind of get things done. So um, yeah, and we, we brand it that it's the podcast for people photographers. But we've actually had other creators because it's like your podcast and you make a point of saying, don't just listen to the podcast that are people in your field, don't you? Listen to everyone. I've been listening to lots of yours recently and it doesn't matter what they do. It's just people's story, isn't it? And everyone's got something interesting to say. Yeah. So, and so how have you found that, well, I guess the experience of doing the podcast? Well, it's time consuming, time consuming, I'll be honest, because we do them all in person. Both of us have a real phobia of the phone. So you're lucky I'm talking to you today, Steve, <laughs> to be honest. But both of us, like, we literally won't pick up the phone to each other. We message each other all the time, but love meeting people in person. So when she said it, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to sit on Skype all day. But actually, although it's time consuming because we're traveling to London and meet people or travel down to Brighton, but we always have a really lovely day out. We get to chat to lots of people. And we do it in series. So it's not every. So I saw that you had a break for the summer, didn't you? So we do it in, we do sort of uh, 12 in each series. And we're doing this, we've only just started this year, but we plan to do three different series a year. Yeah. So you get the social aspect from it. So, as in, it's a fun thing to do. And does it help your business as well? Yeah. So the other thing I've branched out into, um, I mean, I've always done it, but I've sort of made more of a thing this year is personal branding photography. And it's, you know, I love doing it. So meeting with a, an entrepreneur and taking some photos that they can use throughout their website on social media. So it's more than just a headshot. Um, it's them doing what they do. And I'll spend a couple of hours with them and it's brilliant. And it, the great thing is um, for my business is it's midweek as well when my boys are at school. So that's fantastic. So because we get quite, we're into, we're interviewing a lot of entrepreneurs and because we get lots of in, entrepreneurs listening. So I've had quite a lot of personal branding business from it. I mean, it's difficult to know whether it's from that or Instagram because they tend to say they've heard and seen me on both, but it definitely helps. And also I run a retreat for photographers once a year. So it definitely raises my profile, I hope. And um, hopefully people can see get to know me and see what I'm about and more likely to book onto my retreat as well cool there's no ends to the <laughs> I've got quite a few different strands <laughs> yeah it's, it's awesome so I mean a retreat so suddenly you're you're into organizing events as well what what form does that take so uh, yeah and that's that's been one of these things so my, my I'm always thinking of new ideas and more often than not you know I'm sure you have the same thing you have to sort of just go no I can't do that now I'm just too busy but for years, I'd, I mentor photographers sometimes on the phone. I don't take many on, but I do sort of Skype mentoring. But 
photographers have been asking me to run a workshop, but I knew that I didn't want to just do your standard one day workshop, nine to five, because I've been on those kind of things. And they're fantastic. And you get to meet lots of people, learn lots of new things. But then you're back home dealing with the kids back at your desk the next day. And you don't ever action what you've learned. I don't, well, I didn't anyway. So whereas I'd been on sort of workshop retreats, which were like three day retreats, where you really get yourself out of your everyday life to really sit and think about your business. And I knew that I wanted to do that but the timing just wasn't right because my kids weren't at school and um, stuff like that so I first ran one I think it was two yeah it was two years ago 2016 and I also had to find the right venue which is really hard because I knew I wanted us all in the same house and I wanted catering and it's very difficult to find that in the UK actually so I found this house down in East Sussex where we all stay in the same house we get three meals a day and we do some family shoots but I took me a long time but I worked on this 170 page manual of everything I've learned in business so we go through branding marketing SEO shooting everything and it's really intense but I love it I mean I can't talk by the end of it I literally I mean I get home to my husband I'm like I just need to go to bed but um I love it and we I have 10 people on it and I have a right-hand woman who's always um, someone I've worked with before so the 12 of us just get so close in those three days Wow. Was that like a different kind of risk? I'm just imagining that like hiring a venue before people have bought a ticket, that feels like a different kind of business risk. It is. And it it is definitely a risk. I mean, luckily with any venues, you don't have to put, you have to put a deposit down before you sell any tickets. Had they have said, right, we need the whole fee from you, that would have been too scary, I think. But it was, it was the risk I was willing to take. And, you know, and I said to people, I think it was that I needed six people minimum, but I've run, this will be my fourth. Um, and they've always sold out, which is um, I was delighted about. And it's actually called the Delight Retreat, funnily enough. <laughs> and you wrote a 170-page manual. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a book. So on half of those pages are photos. <laughs> so you can probably half that. But I knew that when I did it for the first time, I mean, every year I go back into it because things change so much. In fact, even from last year, I've been changing stuff that I was saying about social media because it just changes constantly, doesn't it? But I knew that once the basis was there, I could use that every year. So although so much hard work went into it at the beginning, it's it's held me in good stead for the other ones, which is good. Yeah. It's funny, like very early on, you said something about, you know, like when you're not working, you should be marketing yourself, but it sounds like you're always busy. So do you force yourself to work on marketing? Yeah. I mean, I always, I make a point of, you know, because when you've got loads of shoots to edit, it's really tempting just to spend a whole week at your desk, just editing, listening to podcasts, binge watching things. And so I, I make a point every day of sitting down, you know, I always have some sort of project on the go, like I've been talking about, whether it's personal branding stuff. I've also got a little holiday cottage in the Isle of Wight that I have to market as well. So there's always something going on. So I always make a point of up to an hour a day. Sometimes it's not that much if I'm really busy with shoots and editing. I'll spend working on that project or working on marketing so that, because that's the sort of stuff that falls to the bottom of the to-do list, doesn't it? That you go, well, I can do that another day, but right now I need to edit this shoot. But it's just making that stuff that needs to be done more important so that you you, you do it at the beginning of, of every day so it's done. Because the editing will get done. It has to get done because you told your client a deadline. And that project you're working on that may never, that course you may want to run or book you may want to write just won't do itself. So you have to spend that time on it to get these things off the ground. 
Mm, so make it the first hour you work on that thing and you'll sit down and you'll have a plan like, well, okay, today is the cottage day or today is the writing this day. Yeah. And I remember here, I can't remember the person who said it. Have you heard the eat your frog analogy? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah I can't remember. It's a, it's a guy and I can't remember his name, but that always sticks. So, he's, he, so basically the, the premise of it is that if you eat a frog first thing in the morning, everything else you do in the day will seem like nothing because that's the most horrible thing you can do in the day. So I always, before at the beginning of each day, I think, what's the thing that I'm, when I'm looking at my to-do list, what am I dreading? Because I know that I'm going to go slower at everything else to, so I don't have to do it. So, I just get it done so that then I can crack on with everything else and feel quite good that I've got, I've eaten my frog for the day. Yeah. I mean, you've obviously approached this from a real business mindset from the beginning. So have you found the whole sort of financial managing that business side of it? Yeah. What I always say is I think so many um, photographers or any entrepreneurs, what they always do is they look at all their competitors in the area and think, right, they're charging that, they're charging that, they're more experienced than me, so I need to charge X. Luckily, because I didn't really have any competitors when I started because no one was really doing it, I couldn't do that. So as I said, I just worked out my costs and what I wanted to earn and then knew how much I needed to charge. But I think the problem is with with basing yourself on competitors is you don't know if they're about to go out of business. But I remember reading a statistic that 80% of photographers go out of business in the first three years. It's pretty scary, isn't it? So you don't know that that person you've just based your pricing on is literally made no money and is about to go out of business. Or maybe they're doing it as a hobby and they don't need to make any money from it. So it's really important to do, you know, to work and it's boring. I mean, for creatives, it's really dull, I know, but to work out your costs and everything else and then, and then base your prices on that. But the other thing, and this is, can I, this is a bit controversial because I know lots of people won't agree. Is it okay if I just get on my soapbox for a tiny bit? <laughs> you climb on that, go on. Is I think as freelancers, maybe it's because it's got the word free in it, who knows? But I think so many photographers, um, not photographers, just entrepreneurs, feel like to to start making money when they're starting out that they need to do some work for free. And I totally believe that, of course, you need to build a portfolio. That's slightly different from when you've been in business a few years. And especially now with all these Facebook groups, there's always someone saying, I need a photographer or someone else to do this. I haven't got a budget for it, but, you know, it'd be great exposure. And I, I've never done that. I do charity, you know, I, I do, um, I auction off shoots, I do work for charities, but I never just offer my work for free. And I've been asked many times and people regularly say, could you bring your camera? And I just say, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't work for free. And then I think they just respect me and value what I do more. And I know lots of photographers, and it will be the same in lots of different industries. They go and say, shoot an evening event and say, oh, it's going to be really good for exposure. But I'm like, but you're a family photographer, so yes, you've got a credit, but that's dark evening shots that you don't do in your business. So you're advertising the wrong kind of work anyway. So any work you do get from that is not going to be the right thing. And all that happens is you become known as the free photographer. Like, oh, I've got someone who'll do that for exposure. So I just think, and the problem is, is when people accept that, I just think it does crush the industry a bit because why is any business going to pay when they can always get it for free? That, was that good on my soapbox? I, <laughs> shall I climb off now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can climb down now. No, it, uh, it's something that, you, uh, as you say, you, I mean, you're speaking from a photographer, but of you know similar things from illustrators as well, for example. Yeah, with just that knock-on effect that it has to everybody. But also the view that that client then has of you, if you call, if you call from the client. And often I, I, when I've done stuff for less even, 
they often end up being more of a nightmare. Absolutely. You're, t- you're absolutely right. And I see in um, you know, Facebook groups that I'm in and people have, are having an absolute shocker with a client. And, you know, I, my clients are all gorgeous. I literally, I mean, you get the odd occasional one that might have a, you know, just have a slight issue with, but on the whole, they're absolutely lovely. They pay on time. They're, they write amazing testimonials. They're just lovely to deal with. And I'm sure it's because I value me and my time and, and what I do. And so they do as well. I think if you don't pay for something or you pay very little for it, you don't value it, do you? Yeah, yeah. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie. So what have you got for me, Vicky? Yes. Okay, so these are my three. So I have taken a headshot of Princess Diana. I fell into a lake up to my neck during a family shoot. And I've appeared on three TV game shows. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I hope that's true. Um, what, were, what were the TV game shows? So the TV game shows, you may not have heard of them because it was a few years back. Uh, Fluke, which is a Channel 4 show. Dishes, which was a dating show. And I won the date. And Big Brother's Little Brother. So it's kind of a game show, but um, I had Russell Brand sat on my lap. So, <laughs> what, what did you have to do in Fluke? I don't know that one. You're right. Fluke, oh, Fluke was so embarrassing. So I hope no one ever digs it out of the archives. It was literally a game of Fluke. And the very first round was... You all, st- all the contestants had to stand around and there were four straws and whoever drew the short straw went home and it was me. <laughs> oh, that was short-lived. Who was the, who was the presenter? Oh, Tim, Tim Vine with the blonde hair. Oh, that sounds feasible. And then um, Kate Thornton was the presenter on Dishes. That also sounds feasible. So you've <laughs> done really good research into obscure TV shows, although both happen. And so you won a date on Dishes. I did. Did you have to cook the person something, did you? Or Yes. Yeah. So the, the title of it obviously worked. Um, yeah, I cooked a pizza. Right. And then he had to st- stand by. It was like blind date, but he had to then eat all the meals behind the screen and then choose who he wanted from their voice and what they'd cooked for him. And oh, this seems like such a purer time than that one where they're now looking at everybody naked, doesn't it? This is. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go on that game show. Just that's made for sure. A- <laughs> and and how did the date go? The date was okay. In fact, I ended up dating him for a little while when I moved to London. He was oh. American, but we went our separate ways. You took a headshot of Princess Diana. Now, this this was clearly before you were a photographer, though, right? It was. I was 11. (laughs) (laughs) Where where was she? So she came to Lewis Crown Court and um, I, so I had, she was coming around and we, me and my mum had sort of, we'd obviously waited some time at the front and I had the choice between shaking her hand or taking a photo and I actually took, I need to dig it out of the archives because I actually took a, obviously it was in the film days, I took a really lovely headshot of her. Do you know you've made you've drawn an emotional attachment to that story that makes that sound true as well? Mm. What was the other one? You fell into a lake. Yes. Yeah, so this was actually this summer. So this happened in July, which is um, I haven't told many people about this because it was a little bit embarrassing. Um, but yeah, I was doing my summer mini sh- sessions, and I walked backwards into a lake as I was photographing the family. Do insurance pay out for? <laughs> well, luckily, so the water was only about knee deep probably not even that deep. So I fell backwards and out of instinct, my, luckily I didn't have my bag on me, but my camera went straight up in the air as in I held it up. I didn't throw it. So it got a tiny bit splashed, but it was fine. So it was just my pride and I was soaked through for the rest of the session. 
that sounds believable but you didn't tell many people and i don't know is that just because it wasn't true well, we haven't we haven't done the podcast since then, so I would have definitely mentioned it on the podcast. So this was after our last series ended. Why would Princess Di visit a Crown Court? That was the only weird bit in that story. Three, t- okay, I want the three TV shows to be true, and you know, you could have picked anything. You've picked some really weird ones, so I'm going to say that's true. Lake or Princess Di? Princess, Di- I don't think you fell in the lake. Ah, oh, you're right. Yes. The- <laughs> Thing is, that's that could so be true, and I can't believe it hasn't happened because I'm like the clumsiest person ever. But oh, I thought I'd I thought I'd really chosen something that could be real there. Oh, it could have been, but you see, you you you, you it was almost like your eyes sort of went all. Stiff. Yeah, I don't like. I'm not very good at lying. I was. I'm actually sweating because I'm really. I was really panicking about lying. I can't see you, but when you were talking about Princess Di, it was like you went slightly dreamy, like you were remembering it. <laughs> yeah. and Whereas, yeah, excellent. Well, well, well that's done. good. Well done. <laughs> Thanks very much. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Well, I would tell myself that I don't need to prove myself so much. I think I was constantly worrying that the business would dry up, that I was just blogging like 100 times a year and I was just working too hard really so I tell myself to go slower and just say enjoy your family and friends more exercise don't feel guilty that you're not going through the to-do list and that your business will always be there you will still have clients in 10 years time so just relax and enjoy things and also not to be afraid to invest in training because I've learned so much from the training that I've been on and met so many wonderful people. So I think, yeah, I'd tell myself that. Yeah, and that becomes something, doesn't it? That thing of actually spending the money that you're earning on the business. Yeah, exactly. And I've never, although I've sort of built up my equipment as I've gone along, as my business has grown, but I've never been afraid to spend money on training and and, um, learning more about business and photography yeah vicky thank you so much uh, for your time today go to beingfreelance.com links through of course to what vicky is up to so you can check out her photography but also uh, the various side projects which she's spoken about as well including the podcast is it shoot edit chat repeat shoot edit chat repeat yeah we chose the longest name in the universe Yours is much easier. Uh, go take a go take a look, and you know who knows what point you might have heard this in the future. You can no doubt go to those links and find a million more things that Vicky has probably taken on. In the, actually, are you somebody who sits there with like a plan for the future? Yeah, I am a bit of a. It's a bit sounds a bit nerdy, doesn't it? But yeah, I am a bit of a planner. I think, which is why I've always had so much stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, you know, there'll probably be a 170-page book that you can buy or something like that, <laughs> online courses. I can see it all. I've already got an online course. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even get to that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> How did you find doing that? Hard work. It was an online course of my photography for parents. So, um, yeah, that took a lot of work because it's all the tech side and I just don't like tech at all. So, um, yeah, but it's there. You know, I did it like four years ago and I still make money from it. So I'm so pleased I did it. Yeah, cool. I told you there was more to it. Right, go yeah. take a look. Beingfreelance.com, as ever, links through to what all our guests are up to. And while you're there, check out the other episodes, uh, sign up for the newsletter, check out the videos and the articles. You know the drill. And of course, if you've enjoyed this, please make sure you've hit subscribe so you get more. And also share it with somebody else you know who's a freelancer or thinking of going freelance. That would be awesome. But for now, Vicky, thanks so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you so much. And uh, well done with the podcast. It's brilliant. 